You're listening to the When Life Hands You Lennon's Podcast. But in an entry-level film production, it's one strike and you're out. You're fired. I'm not calling you back. If your goal today is to make a basket, we're going to make that basket. The minute you create something, as soon as it's made tangible, you have a copyright in it. How do I get our guys to sound that big, you know, that full when they do the harmonies? And I'm your host, Lennon Seahawk. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to this very special episode of When Life Hands You Lennons. This episode is episode number 100 for the show. I can't believe that I've made it this far. I honestly thought that this was going to be a project that I would take on for six months and then it would just be whatever it was. Um, I never thought I would have 100 conversations with different people and industry experts. And I'm so thankful for all of the conversations that I've had. I'm thankful for everybody that has listed the podcast in their publication as a go-to music industry resource. I'm thankful for all the time that the guests have shared uh, on the show, all the knowledge that they've shared, all the supporters. Um, I I could not have done it without all of you. Um, So I thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Um, It means a lot to me. Um, And I'm going to continue working on this podcast and bringing you amazing conversations with industry experts across the entertainment industries. So about this week's guest is the Bands in Town co-founder, Fabrice Sargent. Now, we talk about what Bands in Town is. It is such an impeccable resource for both consumers who love music and also artists who want to get their name out and promote their shows around the country and around the world. So Fabrice talks about what Bands in Town is and how it utilizes various technologies to put artists and bands in front of the right people. He talks about the data that is used. Fans connect their accounts to various social medias and whatnot, and that data is used to better feed the algorithm and then push your music and other bands to their profiles. He also talks about NFTs and where he thinks those are going. He also discusses the future of the music industry in regards to tech. Where is technology going in the music industry because it's such a bubble and it bursts and it needs innovation again and then we tweak it and we move on. NFTs are a great example of that, of uh, this technology, of how fast it can it can change. And Fabrice has been in music tech his whole life, so he has a really good output on uh, all of that stuff. So before I let you go, I want to remind you to sign up to my email list. That can be done on my website, lennonseahawk.com. The email list helps me notify you when new episodes are live. I'd also appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. I believe Spotify enables you to leave five-star ratings in the app. You can follow me on Instagram as well. Uh, Lennon Seahawk. I post musings on there as well. Lastly, if you or somebody you know would be a good guest for the show, there is a guest request form in the show notes below. Fill that out and I will reach out if you are a good guest for the show. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Bands in Town co-founder Fabrice Sargent. Okay, we are live. So is it, how do you pronounce your name? Is it Fabrice, Fabrice? Fabrice. Fabrice. And then your last name is Sergeant? Sergeant? Yes. Sergeant. Cool. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really, really, really excited to chat with you. Um, I've been a big fan of Bands in Town. I've used it many times to book shows. Um, And I I got your bio from your publicist uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm really excited to dig into some of the projects that you've been working on, the technologies, to kind of get your thoughts on the on the music industry. Um, so first, I mean, can you thank give you for having us? Yes, of course. To be with you today. Of course, of course. Thank you for taking the time. Um, so can you give kind of a brief one to two to maybe three minute, uh, maybe one to two minute overview of who you are and kind of how you've got to where you are right now? Oh, I'm um, <clears throat> at the core, I'm a tech and media entrepreneur. I've been building companies uh, for several years. Uh, but I'm also very much um, a music fan. I always was, especially a live music fan. And so um, I'm very privileged because I can combine my 
passion with what I do for work, mm -hmm. or I combine what I do for work with my passions. And so uh, trying to help uh, artists um, uh, better connect with their fans and help fans better discover artists and shows is really a, a privilege. Sure. Of every day. Sure. So where, where are you based at? So I'm based uh, between uh, uh, New York and Miami. Okay. And where are you right now? I'm in Miami. Miami. Ugh, I love Miami. I lived in Florida for five years and I went to Miami numerous times. I love Miami. I love the food. I love the people. I love the music. It's such a beautiful city. Well, look, Benzintown is based, um, has offices in San Diego, Montreal, and, oh, wow. and its team and a lot of team members spread across, uh, I mean, different cities now that, you know, post-pandemic things changed. Sure. Um, so we have people in Miami, we have people in Ohio, we have people, uh, actually several people, several team members in Los Angeles. Um, we have uh, people in Paris, London, Tokyo, Berlin. So we are, wow. we're kind of quite spread. Yeah. Uh, but um, but we, we maintain office spaces in, in San Diego and Montreal. Cool. And how many people do you have working for Bands in Town? It's a team of about 65 people. About 65 people. Okay. Wow. Uh, so how did you get to being a tech entrepreneur? Like what sparked this interest in, in technology? I was uh, always um, interested by technology and by innovations. Not, not for the sake of being, I'm not an engineer. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm interested by tech, which transforms societies. I was a, um, very privileged to be one of the very first to bring and spend the first few years of my career in France to bring uh, internet access actually uh, and and in France wow. um, and so that was the that was the time when I felt a sense of purpose in what I was doing connecting the dots between you know a daily job but also a greater purpose which at the time was to connect uh, people to the internet and and precisely believing that the internet was disruptive, was also making people smarter or more connected, certainly a better citizens and hopefully more tolerant and understanding to the world. Um, we can debate that, uh, you know, years later, and I still believe it does contribute to that. Um, but that's what really, when I felt that actually you can really change things, um, disrupting things, disrupt things uh, for the better. Um, and, and using this new tech. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, still driving, actually, I think, my passion, my interest today mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. So how do you get into something to disrupt something? Like, can you define what it means to disrupt uh, disrupt something? It's interesting because I think you can really change the world one, one step at a time. There's, there's a lot of um, discussions and and. Uh, in you know among students and, and and entrepreneurs around this idea that if you do something you you need to try to have and make an impact but the reality is that you can make an impact um, by doing small things that are really transformative so it, it's 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 a, it depends what uh, lens you want to put on it so there's there are different ways we, we Benzintown changed things because we were very early um, trying to use data to understand the music preferences of our fans to create an algorithm and to be able to recommend them shows of artists they don't know, mm -hmm. therefore expanding the pie for the entire community and certainly helping young artists, emerging artists to be discovered, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's kind of a grand, it's a big ambition, it's a, it's a great purpose actually, which is to bring more um, diversity in culture and certainly cultural diversity by enabling emerging artists to, to take off. Now, once now every day and by doing many things, you can really change and disrupt without, you know, shooting for the stars like that. Um, and by, by doing things a little bit different uh, when, when confronted to a certain uh, uh, challenge. I'll give you an example. Um, we we were um, we noticed that um, it was super important for artists to stay in touch with their fans mm. um, before the pandemic, 
And before the pandemic, we introduced this notion of um, what we call post to tracker, which is a way to connect with the fans directly from the Benzin Town platforms to enable actually artists to send free communication to their fans from their interface, from the Benzin Town um, backend. That, that went really well. Um, but during the pandemic, we realized how important it was, how critical it was to um, precisely give artists an opportunity to build what we call first-party data, to accumulate um, emails and phone numbers and to really be able to stay in touch with their fans. Because when things stop, precisely when, when live music stopped, um, they lost, for most of them, 80% of their revenues. And so it was super critical to be able to reach out to the fans outside of the venues, outside of the touring cycle, and to sell them either uh, merch or to ask them to send donation to support the artist. And I don't think we should... So we learn from that mm -hmm. and we we change something. Um, we developed or improved the interface uh, that uh, we were offering artists. Um, so it, it was incremental as a, as a, as a change. When we launched, we are right now deploying what um, a new email composer, which is also integrated and still free within the Benzin Town platform. And that has a huge impact in terms of conversion and engagement. You know, I was reading data this morning, seeing that um, essentially this new email builder that we're offering to artists um, increased by 100% the click-through rate and the, and the engagement wow. um, because we improved the design, the technology and everything. So what I mean by that is that this, is, this was not a new idea. Um, it was uh, actually uh, an idea that we improved incrementally. And I think that it's, it's, it it's, it's going to create lots of disruption in the sense that uh, it will really empower the artists to build their own data sets to build better direct relationship with their fans of platforms at the time, you know, when there are platforms which are going up and down, you know, think about Facebook versus Instagram versus TikTok. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. Um, we want artists to control their destiny and there's no sustainable future without controlling first party data. So that, that tells me that, I, I mean, it's, it's um, innovation and disruption is, is, um, also about building better what you already do. Mm. So bands in town for me is, I, I, I use it, but I'm not like deep into the platform. So for, is it more for um, people who are looking to find new bands or is it really kind of a social platform for musicians to stay connected with their fans? Uh, I'm curious to hear a little bit how this how this works. Well, we 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 are first and foremost an artist centric platform. In okay. other words, our core constituencies are the artists. Uh, precisely as an entrepreneur, we I, I find lots of similarities. I respect immensely the artists. When I love music, if I love music, if I love live music, I also love the artists doing the music. And, and 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 performing it live. I, I, I respect the individuals. I, I have a lot of admiration for those who can, um, you know, essentially um, jump on the stage and, and take risk and, and, um, and try to actually to disrupt <laughs> a lot by introducing new melodies, new songs, new lyrics and, and, and share their, their messages. Uh, which are sometimes very intimate mm -hmm. uh, with a crowd. Um, so all of that to me is in, uh, almost magical. But absolutely. So we 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 are very much doing everything we can to support the artists. Now, obviously, part of <laughs> that support is is that we 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 are not only an artist service platform. Um, we also bring an audience built in. Mm -hmm. So if you start as an artist. Um, on Benzintown, um, you 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 know what we're going to do is we will recommend your profile, your shows, to fans that are expected to like them. We will do that so that you can build an audience, or we build an audience for you, of followers that will discover your music or may rediscover it. Um, you know, so 
Now, on the fan side, obviously, it helps uh, being alerted and discover shows of artists you already know. But 50% of our fans go to shows of artists they had never heard before Ben's in Town recommendation. So it's, it, it's going both ways. And this uh, platform effect, if you want, I think is beneficial to both. Mm. Um, even though, again, we, we, we're pretty much investing most of our resources to f- first and foremost serve the artist. Mm. Okay. So when you say that you're recommending shows to people who may like that music, what types of things are you using to then put an artist in front of somebody? What types of data are you using? Are you using based on their interactions on the website um, and other shows that they potentially went to and liked and bought tickets for? Or how are you yeah. recommending those those new artists to new fans? Sure. So we have um, 70 million registered users Wow. who uh, kindly shared their music preferences with us. Okay. With their permission, we either learn from the artists they follow mm. on Benzin Town, okay. or the, when they sync their YouTube accounts, Google accounts, or Facebook accounts, or Spotify accounts, or Apple Music accounts. I mean, we have, we have integrations with all the music uh, streaming services, for example. Um, what's interesting is that they usually share more than one account, so we'll know more because their patterns are slightly different on YouTube versus the way versus when they subscribe to a music streaming service. So when they sync both, we learn a lot. And so through a very uh, sophisticated data algorithm, we will create these recommendations. So which are sent either by emails um, on a weekly basis. Uh, you may receive emails from Benzintown on when artists announce shows, uh, fans will receive recommendations um, and alerts from artists they either voluntarily followed or artists we recommend them to discover. And then, um, you know, that's one way, or you can also check these recommendations uh, from the app or from the website. Now you have a logged in version on the website. You can log in and, and get all these personalized recommendations from the website. Okay. So is Bands in Town just for touring musicians or is it for musicians who may not want to tour? Well, look, Bands in Town helps musicians all along their life cycle. Uh, from the, uh, you know, for music launch, music release, mm-hmm. uh, merch drops, uh, tour announcements, so it's, it's really possible to smartly use the platform to, to build an audience first and then to engage with this audience and uh, drive sales or discovery. Now, it's obvious that um, it's a great, your question is legitimate. The more an artist tour, the more they have a chance to get discovered because, mm-hmm. first of all, they can claim their page for free. Once they do that, they're going to share with us. They're going to create an account. We have 560,000 artists who did so. Mm. 97% of the Billboard Top 200 and 90% of the Top 4,000 touring artists in America did create an account, wow. added their um, details, you know, who they are, the type of music they play, etc., um, and are using our tools to build an audience on Benzintown, which means that they installed our widgets or APIs on their website. Um, they post on their social, uh, the smart link, which is a, some sort of a social tool that enables to post um, um, tour dates easily and, and generate ticket sales. So they necessarily did something that was related to a tour at some point. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you cannot use Benzintown when you're not on tour, Sure, right? Okay. So what, uh, if I'm going to create an account, I'm an artist and maybe I'm going up to tour in the next six months to a year. Uh, yeah. what are the, what are your top three tips, uh, to have success on bands and tar bands in town and be discovered by, uh, new fans and have your music be put in front of new fans? So great question. Um, you're, it's very important to anticipate things. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So we see too many musicians or artists or bands going on tour next week and wake up and say, oh, I need to, I need to add my dates or I need to do something on bands in town because next week I'm going to need to sell tickets to these fans. Yeah. Well, these fans, which are usually concert goers, mm-hmm. so are probably the most engaged fans you may have. Mm. They are the ones who are ready to buy tickets. So you need to engage with them and relate and have them relate to you as an artist um, probably earlier than that to build a relationship, to warm them up, etc., to tease them. So yes, it's good to start uh, months before okay. the tour announcement uh, by dropping, um, for example, music release. Usually things happen in that order. So if you're releasing EPs, albums, um, yes, it's important to use the Benz Inter messaging platform and to message the, the fans. Um, it's important also to position the tools on the website, uh, even if you're not on tour, because we have a very nice call to action that's called um, Play My City. Mm. And, and it, it works really well. So fans will click that call to action and start following you, um, asking you to play their city. First of all, you get data points on where fans want to see you play, mm-hmm. which may help you route the tour eventually. Mm-hmm. And it's and I see a number of artists actually um, posting and publicizing this call to action um, way ahead of the tour announcement wow. so that they can build momentum. Mm-hmm. Then they do some music release and then they finally um, list the dates. My advice is to list the dates uh, before the tickets go on sale, because we have a, another nice feature, which is called Notify Me. Okay. Uh, so until the tickets go on sale, uh, fans can still specifically ask to get notified when um, the tickets will go on sale. So that, again, helps build um, you know profile and, and data points for the artist. Um, so now when the show and the, the tour is announced, um, that's the time, obviously, to not only add the dates to bands in town, but to publish them because we give the artist an opportunity to to be um, what we call auto-publish on or off, um, which is fine. Um, artists may want to have full control about the time when they, their dates are being pushed to the fans, but they also need to not forget to do so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um so yeah so if you're on auto publish you have to be uh, i recommend to be auto publish on rather than off but uh, you know you have the options to be off once the show is announced then you get into the right cycle of on sale um maintenance and what we call back end so then that's time to do um contest and or quiz or um you know sweepstakes of some sort to have their fans um, you know, take action, get engaged mm-hmm. to uh, either, you know, try to win a ticket, um, which you accumulate data that you can activate later or to um, build uh, awareness and therefore sell eventually more tickets. Okay. Now you need to know that fans buy more and more tickets right before the show. They buy tickets maybe a week before, mm-hmm. two weeks before. It used to be three months before. So. Wow. The last two weeks, and that's stressful, are very important, and and that's good to keep some of these activations for this for that that part that part of the, uh, the period of time. Okay, that's that's really good information. Um, so, kind of going back a little bit, was I talked about some musicians not wanting to tour, um, or maybe they just don't have the resources or time to do so. But live streaming has definitely become a big thing. Can you talk about, and I know Bands in Town did some pretty cool stuff with uh, live streaming. So can you talk about what live streaming was pre-pandemic, what it was during the pandemic, and kind of where we are now? Is it going to stay? Is it going to go? Is it going to, where is it? What's going on with it? Yeah, look, um, during the pandemic, it was a critical, essential, actually, uh, way to stay in touch with the fans. And we we pioneered that Mm -hmm. in the sense that on March 25th, we launched, uh, we we completely revamped our platform to add live stream as a format so that artists can list a live stream the same way as they used to list an event. 
and it sounds pretty trivial, but talk about disruption to take on your question at the beginning of this conversation. Um, a live stream is not, ex if you want to do it right, um, listing a live stream is not like listing a physical event. Mm -hmm. One of the example is that live stream is uh, truly gro global. Mm -hmm. um, so the time zone is important. Um, the live stream needs to be, um, in fact, reminded to the fans 15 minutes before the show. While physical events, obviously, we send a reminder if you click RSVP, which is a great, by the way, call to action um, to build intent, to identify intent on Benzintown. So if a fan clicks RSVP uh, for a physical event, we will send a reminder a week before saying, hey, you said you might be interested uh, about this show. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you buy the ticket? For the live stream, it's different. Live stream is you, if a fan RSVP for a live stream, we had to send an alert 15 minutes before the show because they essentially forget. Wow. So we did all of that. We launched our platform on March 25th and we enabled artists, in fact, a hundred, um, we were able to, to market a hundred thousand live streams during the pandemic. Wow. Um, it was a major boost to the artist um, interactions with the fans. We did not lose engagement on the platform and fans were able to get entertained if you want during this difficult period of time. Um, we also pushed, um, we produced our own live stream. So we launched our own Twitch channel. We launched our own, we launched a subscription to watch live stream on our own platform. And we produced ourselves about 1400 shows. Wow. So we have a good experience, good understanding of live stream. Um, now, what we see is that it, 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 it changed. So there are not as many as there used to be, like mm -hmm. probably twice less. Okay. Um, but but uh, what's interesting is that it's now part of the marketing tools that artists have at their disposal. And so, just the same way as you used to offer, you know, a YouTube um, launch party uh, for a music release. So uh, now you can offer meeting greets and you can uh, even uh, offer a ticketed events for those who cannot come to the show. So there are a number of strategies that artists are putting at work uh, using these live streaming platforms, uh, which are just complementary to what used to exist prior to the pandemic. And I bet, I believe that, um, uh, you know, it's only going to grow. So in other words, fans uh, love live stream. They love the interaction it, it creates. Um, and so it's, it's, it's part of the landscape, if you want. Okay. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's going to, it's here to stay. Yeah. And do you think it's going to keep growing or do you think it's going to kind of remain kind of plateau? No, I think it's going to keep growing because the more, look, if uh, for many fans, uh, you know, first of all, going to live shows is expensive, mm -hmm. right? Especially talk about inflation times. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, disposable income is not you know, extensive. Uh, so if you really like music, if you really like, uh, so yes, the live stream, maybe the GA, uh, the low, I mean, the inexpensive tickets that you may not be able to afford in, in a physical setting. Um, now, it also enables fans to, to watch shows that they would have missed otherwise because uh, they can't just go and, or they don't have um, uh, the, the venue that, uh, I mean, they, they may not even simply have the show mm. happening where they live. Yeah. Uh, so for all these reasons, live streaming brings something that, is just not possible uh, with uh, live events. It's different. It also can bring a more approachable experience with the artist, like virtual meet and greet. Um, we did all our live streams with a journalist asking questions to the artist uh, of, and, and representing the fans, like taking questions from the chat after all uh, events. And, and so we noticed that the experience is also somewhat different. So I think it's not going to go anywhere. It's, it's just going to grow all the time. Interesting. So during the pandemic and now maybe uh, post-pandemic, um, what was kind of the average price that artists were charging for a live stream ticket? And then how much were they making on average during, like, do you guys offer tips and stuff for 
people to send in like $5 tips for a song or anything like that? Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah so the answer, we, we added the tips quite early as well. Okay. So that uh, artists can choose actually the way they want to receive those tips. Okay. Um, one of the reasons why we chose uh, Twitch at the beginning was because uh, their tipping system, donation system was pretty, um, that was, was already working yeah. and was pretty efficient. So, but very quickly we added, um, they, we offered the artist to add a donation button on the artist profile on Benzintown to collect money. So, and that was also the case for the live stream. Um, now, 50% of the shows listed on the platform were ticketed, actually. Wow. Um, the price was around 20 bucks. Okay. 15 to 20 bucks okay. for a show, a live stream show. And I don't think that this, this has changed much. I mean, it has to stay relatively affordable compared to the physical experience, though, because... Sure. Obviously, uh, you know, anybody can watch a live stream, but not, as we, discussed, as we said, not everybody can go to a show. So right. there's, there's, a, there's a premium that goes with, the, uh, with attending in, uh, in, in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, plus the experience and the lights and the sound and the drinks and the atmosphere and the venue. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, whole, there's a whole premium here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. So during these... Um, live stream events uh or actually let's let's kind of move on so you've you've worked on a lot of other projects and i want to get into nfts because you've you've definitely worked on on some of that so um i've heard so many different things about nfts they were such a big thing earlier this year and last year they like just came out of nowhere and i know they've been around for a while but they kind of really blew up um, and especially, you know, with Blau having his sale and Beeple and a bunch of other artists doing that. Talk about the NFT project that you worked on um, a little bit. And then I'm curious to get your thoughts on where NFTs are going specifically for musicians. Yeah. So we, we, we've been uh, testing um, these NFTs um, actually in conjunction with live streaming. Oh, perfect. Very different. Uh, yes, in very different manner uh, and very differently from uh, what most of the of what has been done um, in the marketplace. I felt that there was a lot of initiatives helping big artists make more money, yeah. which is fine, um, but not a lot of things done using these technologies to, again, help emerging artists and, and small artists um, get discovered or, um, you know, sell more music and interact with the fans. So what we did, we, we, we do have a, an emerging artist program called Big Break, which mm -hmm. dates back before the pandemic. Okay. Uh, Big Break is essentially offering artists to become their promoter, their free promoter for a year. Wow. Uh, and, and we select them based on who's, who's growing the fastest uh, of the six months on the platform. Um, between 500 and 5,000 followers. So it's still uh, baby acts. Uh, we've been very um, uh, talented, I should say, <laughs> to, to identify artists uh, that, that were really, really small when we, people like uh, Omar Apollo, Cautious Clay, um, and a lot of them, Youngblood, uh, mm. were big black artists. Mm -hmm. And so what they get is free promotion. Uh, they get to go to South by Southwest with us and, wow. and they perform on stage at the Benzintown show. So there's a number of benefits that comes with being a big break artist. Um, but uh, this year we changed a little bit the formula. We also offered them to, uh, to do a, we, we produce their, their live stream. We pay for it. Um, we obviously uh, broadcast it on our platform and promote it. And fans who are attending such live streams can claim a free NFT um, which uh, will be the proof that they attended a show of uh, such an emerging artist very early on in their career. Mm. So it's it's a it's a virtual laminate which um, can is kind of collectible, which will be uh, uh, you know it's not a, something that is negotiable. It's not something that you can speculate upon. It's it's more a token of recognition. 
uh, and it's free. So if you go, if you attend all our live stream this year uh, and collect and claim all these NFTs, uh, there's a surprise NFT that comes at the end of the, of the year, uh, which will reward our fans, which showed uh, the highest amount of attention and support for these emerging artists. And so that's, that's our way, that's our take on it. Um, we, we want to continue to investigate, um, uh, but uh, we, we're pretty proud actually to have created something that was not connected, if you want, to a very speculative environment, uh, which is now suffering and is being challenged by what the, the type of cri the crisis that you, you, you know yeah. about. Um, the fundamentals have not changed and we will continue to do our big breaks, uh, live streams. And, and actually we have one, uh, uh, tonight. So, so, um, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's going to continue the, the, for the, for the entire year. Wow. So one of the things that I have, uh, I've had questions on is with NFTs, I feel like the barrier of entry to buy one is far more expensive for a lot of people um a lot of people have you know like for example like if an nft costs one ethereum well one ethereum is what fifteen hundred dollars something like that so a lot of people don't have fifteen hundred dollars especially right now they don't have disposable income so people who have a whole bank full of ethereum can easily buy one but somebody who's just wanting to get started and maybe support their artists a little bit further by buying their NFT, they maybe can't because even at half an Ethereum is $600, which is not something to scoff at. I mean, for a lot of people, that's half their rent. Uh, for me, that's like a fourth of my rent out here in LA. But um, it's, I feel like the barrier of entry to getting into NFTs is, is very high in accordance to, you know, just buying tickets. So do you, do you think that that will continue to come down or will it come down or will it continue to go up? And then these the, the 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 barrier will continue to get further and further um, spread apart and make it more difficult for artists and and fans to kind of buy into these NFTs of their favorite artists. Right. Well, that's a great question. Look, we are just at the infancy of this whole Web three world. Um, I think it's going to be transformative for the artist. Um, the initial application and utility that have been created. Uh, by the um, by the the industry is was somewhat limited to this uh, this this platforms this this uh, so either selling currencies uh, or selling essentially artwork mm -hmm. uh, to a certain degree and some exploring selling some music but in a very mid fashion. What's pretty clear is that. Um, there's a market for that. And even though this market is probably very challenged today, I have no judgment on that. It's, you know, markets, especially related to art, can make go up and down. And that's not the only ma art market that see f strong fluctuations. Same thing for currencies. Uh, it's pretty clear that Web3 needs new applications um, that provide greater utility to convince a larger crowd and a larger audience of uh, users and fans beyond the early adopters. And I think we are in that phase. I don't think that the, the, the collapse of the markets that uh, relates to either the currencies or the collectibles uh, mean anything about the level of impact that Web3 will have. Uh, on the music industry and on, on, on the artist lives and the fans uh, and, and the ability for fans to connect with their artists. I think it's, um, we, you know, with new markets like that, new technologies, it's going through phases. And yes, we are right now in a very challenging moment uh, due to the fluctuation of the markets. Mm. But to me, it's just the beginning, mm. not the end. Yes. Okay. So you think that they're going to continue to grow and how do you see NFTs kind of evolving other than maybe the price? Do you see that the offerings of NFTs will change? People will get more creative with them. Um, do you think pricing will fluctuate? Do you think that there will be re really expensive ones, really cheap ones? Um, 
where do you kind of see them going even in the next year or two? To me, it's, it's at the end of the day, an NFT is a contract uh, registered on the blockchain between an issuer, like, like a, uh, an artist mm-hmm. uh, and, and a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, that, tell, that doesn't say much about what is the purpose of that contract. What, what, to go back to my utility question, it can, to me, it can be free. And we are, for example, we are giving away our NFTs right now for free zero and yeah. it doesn't and you know it's it's okay it can mm-hmm. be free and it can be also potentially very expensive let's say you want to buy a one-year membership to the um vip section of uh, every festival your artist wants to play this year um well that that that's going to cost some money right at some mm-hmm. point it has some uh, real life value, which will be reflected in this uh, contract. So, to me, it's not. Um, it's it's you. You'll see the, a variety uh, of uh, cases that are almost infinite, depending on the creativity of the uh, of the artists and, and and their teams and their managers. What we need is is more utility. We need more value in real life to help fans adopt these technologies without even thinking of them, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, they don't need to know what's underlying this kind of opportunity or this kind of application. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, it it was more a, a, I think, because of the uh, new, the the fact that this this Web3 things are are new, um, there was a lot of emphasis on the tech side uh, but frankly, fans, you and me, consumer, they don't give a shit about tech, mm-hmm. really. I'm a tech entrepreneur. I know that. Mm-hmm. People, it's, it's not about that. It's mm-hmm. about the utility. It's about the project. It's about the, the experience that is being offered, period. So mm-hmm. find the right experiences and sometimes indeed experiences that could never happen before Web3 and Web3 will take up. And like we give of material proof registered on the blockchain that you 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 that the fan attends the a show a live stream of an artist that is at a very early stage of its career well that was not possible before the blockchain and the nfts because that proof is recorded in the nft and is for for good for real it's never going to go away mm-hmm. okay so it brings some value D- despite that we still give it away for free by the way mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's all. And fans wants to hear that. They want to see the, the experience. They find it cool mm-hmm. to, you know, show a token of recognition, some level of support by claiming that NFT to an artist, even though, you know, there's no speculation or there's no upside attached to it. Mm. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Um, and I see, you know, there's a lot of people offering different kinds of NFTs um, as well. So I, I, I'm really excited to see how that continues to evolve. You know, a lot of people will see, you know, it'll become free. The, they'll offer NFTs for free. And where, where does that go after that? Um, what is, are they going to, you know, what's, what's next after that? So, um, cool. Uh, NFTs are, you know, we could have whole episode for four hours long, just, mm-hmm. just discussing NFTs alone. Um, and you know, it's such a, such an infant program and such an infant, um, idea and thing right now that it's, it's really hard to kind of speculate, uh, what's going to happen even next week because it, it could change drastically. Um, so kind of moving on and kind of closing out the episode here is what from a tech entrepreneur running one of the most successful tech programs and companies in in the music industry, I would argue. Um, What do you kind of see? Like, what are your top three kind of predictions for the next phase of the music industry post pandemic? Uh, Lennon, I don't want to, but here again, the camera went off. Oh, I I think we're not filming here, even for the whole thing on the NFT. I'm sorry, but uh, there's something really, um, I don't know if that's, that's recording or not, but, uh, I, I see that my camera has like a green lit that is not on right now. So I don't oh. know why. 
Oh, okay. It's interesting. Maybe I can change camera if you want. Uh, maybe use my laptop as a camera to, to address your last question, but uh, I don't know what you're going to end up with. Um, that's all right. Um, if anything, we'll just do an audio only episode. It's, it should okay. be fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, look, I, the, the three things that are coming up next to me is, um, look, for, for, for the moment, there is a big, um, an unprecedented level of offer in terms of touring artists that is meant by an unprecedented level of demand. I mean, fans who are so eager to get back to what they really love, to get to get back to the mosh pit, that uh, they, they are buying a lot of tickets at any price. Um, we, are, we have ahead of us um, a challenging economy and, and the landscape is going to change. Um, it's very hard to tell to which extent uh, this, um, you know, live music will be recession-proof, yeah. and if um, and to which extent fans will use disposable income to to go to a show versus going on vacation. Mm. But we 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 cannot ignore as just because right now our live music world is booming, we cannot ignore the risk. Uh, of that uh, the environment is creating around us. Mm -hmm. well, fortunately, we're not in the dramatic situation um, where, where, where we were before, I mean, when during COVID, right, where there was no shows at all, but we, we, may, be, we may see some uh, challenges. So the first thing that I would say is that um, um, it's super important for the artist to anticipate uh, this um, kind of uh, challenging times. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? How do we anticipate? Well, it's by building strong relationship with the fans, mm. by showing them respect and connection, by trying to be more than just someone who do a few posts on Instagram and feels that, you know, everything's done. And I know it's very difficult. Um, you know, because at some point when it's going to be more difficult to sell tickets, when potentially there might be more challenges, this is going to pay off, right? Mm -hmm. you, one way or the other, by selling merch, by, by, by um, maybe uh, doing shows in more uh, geographies. I mean, there are many ways. I feel myself that the live music is pretty counter-cyclical. So in other words, it's not going to decline at the time when the economy uh, will, mm -hmm. uh, but and it's not going to decline as much. But you know, I, I'm just curious to see where we're going to land. Um, the other thing is that yes, Web three is going to be big, and um, it's will be even more important. And it's one of these tools that will help precisely stay in touch with the fans, build privileged relationship create new form of experiences and therefore also fight these trends potentially, if, if anything, that may come from the overall economy. Mm. Um, and the last thing is obviously uh, metaverse. Yeah. Um, well, we did not even discuss it so far, but that's, um, I, I guess it's, it's the next step post uh, live stream, right? We potentially proved, we did prove that fans were okay, we're, we're cool to watch something happening on the screen, mm -hmm. to take part of something that is more of a virtual experience than in, an in-person experience. Um, they love the tribal experience, they love the in-person experience, but they're also ready for another type of, ex other type of experiences. Um, well, you know, in the next few years, it's pretty clear that there's a whole uh, generation of fans and artists that will become successful in connecting in the metaverse. And that's uh, which metaverse and which form um, for what kind of music that that uh, still unclear. But um, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who believe that it's going to happen one way or the other. Not necessarily at the expense of physical shows. It's mm. not the point. I'm a big believer that things are um, incremental and add up rather than substitute. 
I don't think it's going to be at the expense of phys physical shows. It's not the point, actually. Uh -huh. It's a different type of experience. Uh -huh. um, but yes, it's going to happen. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for those insights. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited for the next few years as well. Um, and I, it's, it's such a hard thing to predict, but um, I appreciate your insight on that. Um, on that. Um, so cool. That's kind of all the questions that I have for you today. Um, is there anything else that you want to add or maybe go back on or, or clarify that on anything? No, no. Thank you for having us. It's a great discussion. Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah, of course. Of course. And, um, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, if you ever want to come back, you're more you're than welcome. Are you still involved in EDM Minnesota? Yes, I am. That's cool. Yes, I'm, I am. I'm in my personal music, I guess we, we're, we're, we're off right now, but, uh, um, I, I'm, my personal music passion is uh, underground electronic music. It's not really EDM per se, but sure. it's definitely electronic music. Wow, that's cool. I'll have to check it out. Um, yeah, I've, I founded that site and I still run it to this day. I'm not really sure what I want to do with it, um, but it's definitely something that I'm going to keep keep alive and and um, hopefully when I have some extra disposable income, start funneling some money into it and hiring okay. writers and rebranding it. And, so and how many post amounts or what, what do you do? Um, um, what's the level of activity that you can afford on that site? Yeah, currently um, I post kind of whenever because I don't really have the time to do it because it's just me running it um, okay. at the time right now. But I, I ultimately want to hire, I don't know, three, four or five writers in the next year or two um, to start writing more regularly. Um, but right now I've, I, I used to cover um, like singles and albums um, and now those aren't really, they don't really perform well. So I'm doing like listicle articles. I'm doing like covering like music tech, um, okay. copyrights, lawsuits, anything like legal, um, tech acquisitions, um, things like that. Anything cool that I just see that's not really like, hey, here's my new song. Can you write about it? Um, okay. Because they just don't perform well in, um, in there. And I also do a couple, I've done a few interviews on there as well. Um, yes. But yeah, it's just just a little passion project that I do in addition to the podcast here. Um, I also am a musician myself. I do dance music, um, and uh, yeah. So, ah, okay, okay. Do you play? Yeah, I play piano. I've got a piano sitting right next to me here, actually. Um, but do you perform live? No, I don't perform live. Um, I'm working on building a, a category to get into sync licensing um, so I can start okay. pitching to music libraries and music supervisors. Um, nice. I think that's that's the route that I want to take. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a journalist and do a little, little bit of everything. <laughs> uh, look, uh, yeah, so so I'm. Uh, the, it's part of the reason why we did Benzinton is was that my my business partner and I are coming from Europe as you may hear mm -hmm. and um, we we never found a guide for electronic music that we mm -hmm. found satisfactory and so we started to explore what kind of live music guides there were in the US sure and that's that's uh, that's uh, it's you know it was partly to serve ourselves Wow! Yeah, <laughs> that we launched Benz, that we and then and you know DJs usually use Benz in town actually, even though it's called Benz in town and not DJ in town or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, pretty much all DJs are re, are registered on Benz in town. Cool. That's yeah. That's really cool. Um, I I love Benz town. I'm gonna check it out. It's been a while since I've been on there, but uh, I'm definitely gonna check it out and explore what kind of features and stuff you guys got on there to see if there's nice. anything I can use um but cool yeah all right but thanks for your the for having us and you know uh, looking forward to stay in touch